Act One of Dandy Dick by Arthur Wing Panero. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dandy Dick, an original farce in three acts by Arthur Wing Panero. Dramatis Personae the very reverend augustine jed doctor of divinity dean of st marvels read by todd sir tristram marden baronet read by son of the exiles major tarver blanketh hussars quartered at durnston near st marvel read by craig franklin mr darby blank hussars quartered at Durnstone near St. Marvels, read by Jason in Panama. Blore, Butler at the Deanery, read by Thomas Peter. Noah Topping, Constable at St. Marvels, read by Alan Mapstone. Atcham, Sir Tristran's Groom, read by Roger Moline. Georgiana Tidman, a widow, the dean's sister, read by Sonia. Salome, the dean's daughter, read by Lian Yao. Sheba, the dean's daughter, read by Devorah Allen. Hannah Topping, formerly in service at the deanery, read by Abai. Stage directions read by Sandra Schmidt. Act One at the deanery st marvels morning the morning-room in the deanery of st marvels with a large arched opening leading to the library on the right and the deeply recessed window opening out to the garden on the left it is a bright spring morning and an air of comfort and serenity pervades the place salome a tall handsome dark girl of about three-and-twenty is sitting with her elbows resting on her knees staring wildly into vacancy sheba a fair little girl of about seventeen wearing short petticoats shares her despondency and lies prostrate upon the settee oh oh my oh my oh my sheba sitting upright oh my gracious goodness goodness gracious me they both walk about excitedly there's only one terrible word for it it's a fix it's worse than that it's a scrape how did you ever get led into it how did we get led into it halvesheba please it was major tarver's proposal and i believe salome that it is to you major tarver is paying attention the fancy dress mast wore at durnstone is promoted by the officers of the hussars i believe that the young gentleman you have impressed calls himself an officer there he is merely a lieutenant sheba indignantly mr darby is certainly an officer a small officer how dare you gird at me salome very well then when to-night we appear at the durnstone athenian unknown to dear papa on the arms of major tarver and mr darby i consider that we shall be equally wicked oh how can we be so wrong well we're not wrong yet we're only going to be wrong that's a very different matter that's true besides there's this to remember we're inexperienced girls and have only dear papa 
but oh now that the ball is to-night i repent sheba i repent i shan't do that till to-morrow but oh how i shall repent to-morrow salome taking an envelope from her pocket and almost crying you'd repent now if you had seen the account for the fancy dresses has it come in yes the major enclosed it to me this morning you know sheba major tarver promised to get the dresses made in london so i gave him our brown paper patterns to send to the costumier sheba shocked <gasps> oh salome do you think he quizzed them no i sealed them up and marked outside to be opened only by a lady that's all right i hate the plan of myself in brown paper well of course major tarver begged to be allowed to pay for the dresses and i said i couldn't dream of permitting it and then he said he should be most unhappy if he didn't and just as i thought he was going to have his own way bursting into tears he cheered up and said he'd yield to a lady taking a large account from the envelope and oh he's yielded read it don't spare me salome reading debtor to lewis isaacs costumier to the queen bow street one gown period french revolution seventeen ninety eight fifteen guineas sheba sinking on her knees clutching the table oh trimmings linings buttons frillings seven guineas sheba hysterically yeah that's mine sheba putting her fingers into her ears now for mine ooh. salome reading one skirt and bodice flower girl period uncertain ten guineas less than yours what a shame trimmings linings buttons frillings five guineas extras two guineas total forty pounds nineteen ladies own brown paper patterns mislaid terms cash they throw themselves into each other's arms oh sheba salome are there forty pounds in the wide world my heart weighs twenty what shall we do if we were only a few years older i should suggest that we wrote nice notes to papa and committed suicide brought up as we have been that's out of the question then let us be brave women and wear the dresses of course we'll do that but the bill we must get dear papa in a good humour and coax him to make us a present of money he knows we haven't been charitable in the town for ever so long poor dear papa he hasn't paid our proper dressmaker's bill yet and i'm sure he's pressed for money but we can't help that when we're pressed for money poor dear papa suppose poor papa refuses to give us a present then we must play the piano when he's at work on his concordance poor dear papa however don't let us wrong poor papa in advance let us try to think how nice we shall look oh yes shan't i oh i shall and as for stealing out of the house with major tarver when poor dear papa has gone to bed why gerald tarver would die for me so would nugent darby for me besides i'm not old enough to know better you're not so very much younger than i sheba indeed salome then why do you keep me in short skirts why you cruel girl you know i can't lengthen you till i'm married blore the butler a venerable-looking person with rather a clerical suggestion about his dress enters by the window benignly 
your two soldier gentlemen have just rode hop miss salome the girls clutch each other's hands you mean major tover and mr darby they have called to inquire after poor papa poor papa shall i show them in miss sheba yes blore dear and hang your h's on the hat stand blore laughs sweetly at sheba and shakes his fingers at her playfully vindictively behind their backs Assies. he goes out am i all right sheba yes am i yes looking out at window here they are how well gerald tarver dismounts oh. he left his liver in india didn't he no only part of it well part of it and that he gave to his queen brave fellow sheba seating herself in an artificial attitude where shall we be here salome running to the piano all right you be admiring my voice oh i dare say here they are and we're doing nothing let's run away and then come in unconsciously yes unconsciously they run off through the library blore shows in major tarver and mr darby who are both in regimentals major tarver is a middle-aged tall angular officer with a thin face yellow complexion and red eyes he's alternately in a state of great excitement and depression mr darby is a mere boy but with a pompous patronizing manner the dean's out of the way eh yes sir he is eh how is the dean never mind perhaps miss jed is at home yes sir she is it would be discourteous to run away without asking miss jed after her father darby throwing himself on the settee deuced bad form the ladies were here a minute ago salome and sheba walk in together salome has her arm round her sister's waist and looks up to her with a sweet trusting smile they start in confusion on seeing tarver and darby major tarver mr darby tarver taking salome's hand eagerly my dear miss jed darby rising and putting a glass to his eye hiya hiya salome with her hand on her heart you you quite startled us tarver in an agony of contrition oh did we awfully cut up to hear it we never dreamt of finding two visitors for papa why you told me to show the gentleman him miss sheba the two girls start guiltily and glare at blore salome with suppressed rage you needn't wait blore blore to himself let him ang vat on the at stand blore goes out darby and sheba stroll together into the library tarver to salome we thought we'd ride over directly after parade to make the final arrangements for tonight have the costumes arrived yes they came yesterday in a hamper labelled miss jed secretary cast off clothing distribution league that was my idea came to me in the middle of the night dear major tarver surely this terrible strain on your nerves is very very bad for you with your your my liver say the word miss jed salome 
drooping her head. Oh, Major Tarver! It is frightfully injurious. Of course, I'm excited now, and you see me at my best. But the alternating fits of hopeless despondency are shocking to witness and to endure. Oh! It's all that damned India. Oh, what have I said? You will never forgive me. Indeed, indeed I will. Never? Oh, Miss Jed, my forgetfulness has brought me one of my terrible attacks of depression. Major Tarver! She leads him to a chair into which he sinks in a ghastly state. Darby strolls in from the library with Sheba. Darby to Sheba. Your remarks about the army are extremely complimentary. On behalf of the army, I thank you. We fellows are not a bad sort. Take us all round. There's a grand future before you, isn't there? Well, I suppose there is if I go on as I'm going now. Tava to Salome. Thanks. The attack is past. How about tonight? At what time is the house entirely quiet? Poor dear papa goes round with Blore at half-past nine. After that, all is rest and peacefulness. Then, if we are here with the closed carriage at ten... They go together into the library. Darby to Sheba. Some of us army men can slave too. Tarver's queer Liva has thrown all the arrangements for the fancy ball on my shoulders. Salome and Tava re-enter. Look at him. That's when he's enjoying life. <laughs> oh, good, eh, Miss Jed? But suppose dear Papa should hear us crunching down the gravel path? Oh. He sinks onto the settee with a vacant stare, his arms hanging helplessly. Darby to Sheba. There. Now his career is a burden to him. Oh. Would you like a glass of water, Major Tarver? Tarver, taking Salome's hand. Thank you, dear Miss Jed, with the least suggestion of cayenne pepper in it. Sheba, looking out at window. Oh, Salome! Papa! Papa! The Dean? The Dean! They all collect themselves in a fluster. The two girls go to meet their father, who enters at the window with his head bowed and his hands behind his back, in deep thought. The dean is a portly man of about fifty, with a dignified demeanour, a suave voice and persuasive manner, and a noble brow surmounted by silver-grey hair. Blore follows the dean, carrying some books, a small bunch of flowers, and an umbrella. Salome, tenderly. Papa! Pepsi! The dean rouses himself, discovers his children, and removes his hat. The dean to Salome. Salome! to Sheba. My toy child. He draws the girls to him and embraces them, then sees Tava and Darby. Dear me, strangers. Tava and Darby, coughing uncomfortably. <coughs> Salome, reproachfully, taking his head from him. Papa, Major Tava and Mr. Darby have ridden over from Danstone to ask how your cold is. Sheba takes the gold-rimmed pince-nez which hangs upon the dean's waistcoat, and places it before his eyes. Dear me! Major! Mr. Garvey! Mr. Darby! Darby! How good of you! With his girls still embracing him, he extends a hand to each of the men. My cold is better. 
Bloor goes out to the library. Major, Mr. Garvey, these inquiries strike me as being so kind that I must insist. No, no, I beg that you will share our simple dinner with us tonight at six o'clock. Tava, disconcerted. Oh, hmm. Let me see. Tuesday night is... Like mutton, papa. Thank you. Mutton, hot. And custards, Pepsi. Thank you, toy child. Custards, cold. And a welcome, warm. Tava, looking to Salome. Uh, well, I... Uh... Salome nods her head to him violently. That is certainly, Dean, certainly. Delighted, my dear Dean, delighted. The Dean gives Darby a severe look, and with an important cough, he walks into the library. The men and the girls speak in undertones. Tava, depressed. Now what will happen tonight? Why, don't you see, as you will have to drive over to dine, you will both be here, on the spot, ready to take us back to Danstone. The Dean sits at his desk in the library. Of course, when we're turned out, we can hang about in the lane till you're ready. Yes, but when are we to make our preparations? It'll take me a long time to look like Charles I. We can drive about Durnstone while you dress. Salome, to Tava, admiringly. Charles I? Oh, Major! That was my idea. Charles the Martyr, you know. Tarver's a martyr to his liver, see? Oh, shan't we all look magnificent? Oh! Grand idea, the whole thing. Regular army notion. They are all in a state of great excitement when the dean re-enters, with an anxious look, carrying a bundle of papers. Here is papa! They rush to various seats, all in constrained attitudes. Tava to the dean. No, we waited to say good morning. The dean, taking his hand abstractedly. How kind. Good morning. Six o'clock sharp, dean? At six, punctually. Salome, represent me by escorting these gentlemen to the gate. Salome, Tava and Darby go out. Sheba is following slyly when the dean looks up from his papers. Sheba? Pepsi? Check me in a growing tendency to dislike Mr. Garvey. At dinner, Sheba, watch that I carve for him fairly. Yes, Pepsi. The dean turns away and sits on the settee. Sheba, with her head down and her hands folded, walks towards the door and then bounds out. The dean, turning the papers over in his hand solemnly. Bills. He rises, walks thoughtfully to a chair, sits and examines papers again. Bills. He rises again, walks to another chair, and sinks into it with a groan. Bills. Salome and Sheba re-enter. Salome to Sheba in a whisper. Papa's alone. A beautiful opportunity to ask for that little present of money. Poor dear Papa. Poor, Poor dear, dear Papa. They link their hands together and walk as if going out through the library. The dean, looking up. Don't go, children. He rises. The girls rush to him, and laughing with joy, they turn him like a top, dancing around him. <laughs> Stop, children. 
Pepsi's in a good humor. Salome, pinching his chin. He always is. Pepsi will listen to our little wants. They force him into a chair. Salome sits on the ground, embracing his legs. Sheba lies on the top of the table. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Your wants are very little ones. What are they, Salome? What are they, toy child? Papa, have you any spare cash? Spare cash? Playful Salome. Pounds, shillings, and pence, Pepsi. Or pounds, shillings, Pepsi, and never mind the pence. <laughs> I am glad, really glad, children, that you have broken through a reserve which has existed on this point for at least a fortnight, and babbled for money. Sheba and Salome, laughing with delight. <laughs> <laughs> it gives me the opportunity of meeting your demands with candor. Children, I have love for you, solicitude for you, but I have no spare cash for anybody. He rises and walks gloomily across to the piano, on the top of which he commences to arrange his bills. In horror, Salome scrambles up from the floor, and Sheba wriggles off the table. Simultaneously, they drop onto the same chair and huddle together. Salome, to herself. Lost. Sheba, to herself. Done for. And now you have so cheerily opened the subject, let me tell you with equal good humor, emphatically flourishing the bills, that this sort of thing must be put a stop to. Your dressmaker's bills is shocking. Your milliner gives an analytical record of the feverish beatings of the hot pulse of fashion. Your general draper blows a rancorous blast which would bring dismay to the stoutest heart. Let me for once peel out a deep paternal bass to your childish treble and say emphatically, I've had enough of it. He paces up and down. The two girls utter a loud yell of grief. Ah! Sheba through her tears we've been brought up as young ladies that can't be done for nothing sheba's small but she cuts into a lot of material my girls it is such unbosomings as this which preserve the domestic union of a family weep howl but listen the total of these weeds which bring up in the beautiful garden of paternity is a hundred and fifty six eighteen three now, all the money I can immediately command is considerably under five hundred pounds. Oh, Papa! Oh, what a lot! Hush! But read, Salome. Read aloud this paragraph in The Times of Yesterday. There, my child. He hands a copy of The Times to Salome, with his finger upon a paragraph. Salome, reading. A munificent offer. Dr. Judd, the Dean of St. Marvel's whose anxiety for the preservation of the minister's fire threatens to undermine his health, has subscribed a munificent sum of one thousand pounds to the restoration fund. Oh! Oh! And we gasping for clothing. Read on, my child. On condition that seven other donors come forward, each with a like sum. And will they? The dean anxiously. My darling, times are bad, but one never knows. If they don't... Then you will have your new summer dresses as usual. Salome, hoarsely. But if they do, speak, father. The dean, gloomily. Then we will all rejoice. 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 And retrench. To ours, little ones. 
retrench and rejoice the two girls cling to each other as blore comes from the library with two letters on a salver the second post sir just hidden the dean blandly thank you blore hearing salome and sheba crying they were scolding ussies let em hang down at stand he's going out the dean opening letters oh blore this note from mr hodder the secretary of the sport and relaxation repression guild reminds me that to-morrow is the first day of the races the st marvel's spring meeting as it is called indeed sir fancy that and i not know it all our servants may not resemble you blore pray remind them in the kitchen and the stable of the rule of the house no servant allowed to leave the deanery on any pretence while the races is on the dean kindly while the races are on thank you blore opens his second letter thank you sir to himself oh if the dean only knew the good thing i could put him on to for the durnstone handicap he goes out children salome sheba here is good news salome running to him good news what is it your aunt left us some money your aunt is coming to live with us to what to live with us what aunt my dear widowed sister georgiana tidman what's she like we don't want her good gracious georgiana and i reconciled after all these years she will help us to keep the expenses down keep the expenses down the dean embracing his daughters a second mother to my girls she will implant the precepts of retrenchment if their father cannot but papa who is aunt what's her name who is she my dears a mournful miserable history with his head bent he walks to a chair and holds out his hands to the girls who go to him and kneel at his feet when you were infants your aunt georgiana married an individual whose existence i feel it my sad duty never to recognize a bad man he died ten years ago and therefore we shall say a misguided man he was a person who bred horses to run in races for amusement combined with profit he was also what is called a gentleman jockey and it was your aunt's wifely boast that if ever he vexed her she could take a stone off his weight in half an hour in due course his neck was dislocated by aunt hush child no you will be little wiser when i tell you he came a cropper how awful it all sounds left a widow you would think it natural that georgiana tidman would have flown to her brother himself a widower not at all maddened i hope by grief she continued the career of her misguided husband and for years to use her own terrible words she was the daisy of the turf what's that i don't know toy child but at length retribution came ill luck fell upon her her horses stocks everything came to the hammer that was my hour come to me i wrote my children yearn for you sheba and salome with wry faces oh at the deanery of st marvel's 
with the cares of a household and a stable which contains only a thirteen-year-old pony, you may obtain rest and forgetfulness. And she is coming. When? when? Oh, oh when? when? She merely says, soon. Sheba and Salome, stamping with vexation. Ugh! Salome, Sheba, you will, I fear, find her a sad, broken creature, a weary fragment, a wave-tossed derelict. Let it be your patient endeavor to win back a flickering smile to the wan features of this chastened widow. Blor enters with a telegram. A telegram, sir. The dean opens telegram. No Aunt Tidman flickers a smile at me. I wouldn't be in her shoes for something. Salt in her bed, Salome. Yes, and the peg out of the rattling window. They grip hands earnestly. Good gracious! Bless me! Girls, your Aunt Georgiana slept at the wheat sheaf at Durnston last night and is coming on this morning. Today? Today. Blor, tell Willis to get the chaise out. Blor hurries out. Salome, child, you and I will drive into Durnston. We may be in time to bring your aunt over. My hat, Sheba, quick. The clang of the gate bell is heard in the distance. The bell. Looking out of window. No, yes, it can't be. Children, I wonder if this is your aunt Georgiana. Blor appears with a half-frightened, surprised look. Mrs. Tidman. Georgiana Tidman enters. She's a jovial, noisy woman, very horsey in manners and appearance, and dressed in pronounced masculine style, with billycock hat and coaching coat. The girls cling to each other. The dean recoils. Well, Gus, my boy, how are you? The dean, shocked. Georgiana! Georgiana, patting the dean's cheeks. You're putting on too much flesh, Augustine. They should give you a ten-miler daily in a blanket. The dean, with dignity. My dear sister! Are these your two year olds? To Salome, kiss your aunt. She kisses Salome with a good, hearty smack. To Sheba, kiss your aunt. She embraces Sheba, then stands between the two girls and surveys them critically, touching them alternately with the end of her cane. Lord bless you both. What names do you run under? I... I am Salome. I am Sheba. Georgiana, looking at Sheba. Why, little un, your stable companion could give you a stone and then get her nose in front. The dean, who has been impatiently fuming, Georgiana, I fear these poor innocents don't follow your well-intentioned but inappropriate illustrations. Oh, we'll soon wake em up. Well, Augustine, my boy, it's nearly twenty years since you and I munched our corn together. Our estrangement has been painfully prolonged. Since then we've both run many races, though we've never met in the same events. The world has ridden us both pretty hard at times, Gus, hasn't it? We've been punished and pulled and let down pretty often. But here we are. Tapping him sharply in the chest with her cane. Sound in the wind yet. You're doing well, Gus, and they say you're going up the hill neck and neck with your bishop. I've dropped out of it. 
the mares don't last gus and it's good and kind of you to give me a dry stable and a clean litter and to keep me out of the shafts of a shrewsbury and talbot sheba in a whisper to salome salome i don't quite understand her but i like aunt so do i but she's not my idea of a wary fragment or a chastened widow my dear georgiana i rejoice that you meet me in this affectionate spirit and when pardon me when you have a little caught the tone of the deanery oh i'll catch it if i don't the deanery will a little catch my tone the same thing sheba laughs toy child oh trust george tidd for setting things quite square in a palace or a puddle george tidd who is george tidd i am george tidd that was my racing name ask after george tidd at newmarket they'll tell you all about me my colours were crimson and black diamond there you are producing her pocket-handkerchief which is crimson and black dear me very interesting georgiana my dear one moment children the girls go into the library the dean tapping the handkerchief i understand distinctly from your letter that all this is finally abandoned oh worse luck they'll never see my colours at the post again and the contemplation of sport generally as a mental distraction oh yes i dare say you'll manage to wean me from that too in time in time well but georgiana the gate-bell is heard again the girls re-enter there's a visitor i'll tootle upstairs and have a groom down to salome and sheba make the running girls at what time do we feed augustine there is luncheon at one o'clock right the air here is so fresh i shan't be sorry to get my nose-bag on she stalks out accompanied by the girls my dear georgiana my widowed sister georgiana dear me i am quite disturbed surely surely the serene atmosphere of the deanery will work a change it must it must if not what a grave mistake i have made good gracious no no i won't think of it still it is a little unfortunate that poor georgiana should arrive here on the very eve of those terrible races at st marvel's blore enters with a card who is it blore reading the card sir tristran marden dear dear certainly blore certainly blore goes out marden why marden and i haven't met since oxford blore re-enters showing in sir tristram marden a well-preserved man of about fifty with a ruddy face and jovial manner the type of the thorough english sporting gentleman blore goes out hello chad how are you my dear marden are we boys again sir tristram boisterously of course we are boys again he hits the dean violently in the chest the dean breathing heavily to himself i quite forgot how rough marden used to be how it all comes back to me think i've changed only in appearance i'm still a bachelor 
got terribly jilted by a woman years ago and have run in blinkers ever since. Can't be helped, can it? You're married, aren't you? I have been a widower for fifteen years. Oh, Lord, awfully sorry. Can't be helped, though, can it? Seizing the dean's hand and squeezing it. Forgive me, old chap. The dean, withdrawing his hand with pain. Oh, oh, I've reopened an old wound. Damn stupid of me. Hush, Martin, please. All right. What do you think I'm down here for? For the benefit of your health, Martin? <laughs> Never had an ache in my life. Shan't come and hear you preach next Sunday, Gus. I do not preach next Sunday. You'd better not. No, I'm here for the races. The race? Hush, my dear Martin. My girls. Girls? May I trot them into the paddock tomorrow? Thank you, no. Think it over. You've seen the list of starters for the Durnstone Handicap? No, I haven't. Not? Look here, Sir Tristram Martin's dandy dick. Nine stone till Tom Gallowood up. What do you think of that? I don't think of anything like that. Sir Tristram, digging the dean in the ribs. Look out for my colours. Black and white? And a pink cap. First past the post tomorrow. Really, my dear Martin. Good heavens, Jed. They talk about Bonnie Betsy. I grieve to hear it. The tongue of scandal. Sir Tristram, taking the dean's arm and walking him about. Can you imagine, sir, for one moment, that Bonnie Betsy with a boy on her back could get down that hill tomorrow with those legs of hers? Another horse, I presume? No, a bay mare. George didn't knew what she was about when she stuck to dandy dick to the very last. The dean, aghast. George? Tid? Georgiana Tidman. Dandy came out of her stable after she smashed. Bless me. Poor old George. I wonder what's become of her. My dear Martin, I am, of course, heartily pleased to revive in this way your old acquaintance. I wish it were in my power to offer you the hospitality of the deanery, but... Don't name it. My horse and I are over at the Swan. Come and look at Dandy Dick. Martin, you don't understand. My position in St. Marvel's... Oh, I see, Jed. I beg your pardon. You mean that the colours you ride in don't show up well on the hill yonder, or in the stable of the Swan Inn? You must remember... I remember that in your young days you made the heaviest book on the derby of any of our fellows. I always lost, Martin. Indeed, I always lost. I remember that you once matched a mare of your own against another of Lord Bexlade's for fifty pounds. But she wasn't in it, Martin. I mean, she was dreadfully beaten. Sir Tristram, shaking his head sorrowfully. Oh, Jed, Jed, other times, other manners. Goodbye, old boy. You're not, you're not offended, Martin. Sir Tristram, taking the dean's hand. 
Offended? No, only sorry, Dean, damned sorry, to see a promising lad come to an end like this. Georgiana enters with Salome on one side of her and Sheba on the other, all three laughing and chatting, apparently the best of friends. By Jove! No! What? Tid! Hello, Marden! They shake hands warmly. Of all places in the world to find Mr. Tid! <laughs> Why, Dean, you've been chaffing me, have you? No. Yes, you have. You've been roasting your old friend. Martin. Tid is a pal of yours, eh? <laughs> Sir Tristan Martin, Mrs. Tidman is my sister. Your sister? Yes, I've been running a bit dark, Marden, but that stout, well-seasoned animal over there and this skittish creature come of the same stock and were foaled in the same stable. Pointing to Salome and Sheba, there are a couple of yearlings here you don't know. My nieces, Salome and Sheba. Sir Tristram, bowing. How do you do? Heartily taking Georgiana's hand again. Well, I don't care whose sister you are, but I'm jolly glad to see you, George, my boy. Gracious, Tris, don't squeeze my hand so. The dean, in horror. Salome, Sheba, children, I must speak to you. Excuse me, Martin. To himself. Oh, what shall I do with my widowed sister? He goes into the garden. Sheba to Salome. That's like Pa, just as we were getting interested. We'll come back in a minute. They go out by the window. Lord, how odd. You know your brother and I were at Oxford together, George? Where you, Tris? Then are you putting up here? He won't have me. Won't have you? Because I'm down here racing. You see, he's a dean. Is he? Well then, you just lay a thousand sovereigns to a gooseberry that in this house I'm a dean too. I suppose he's thinking of the canons and the bishop and those chaps. Lord bless your heart, they're all right when you cheer them up a bit. If I'm here till the autumn meeting, you'll find me lunching on the hill, with the cannons marking my cart and the dear old bishop mixing the salad. So say the word, Tris. I'll make it all right with Augustine. No, thanks, old fellow. The fact is that I'm fixed at the swan with... What do you think, George? With Dandy Dick. Oh, my old Dandy. I brought him down with me in lavender. You know he runs for the Durnstone Handicap tomorrow. <laughs> no, there's precious little that horse does that I don't know, and what I don't know I dream. Is he fit? As a fiddle. Shines like a mirror. Not an ounce too much or too little. He'll romp in. He'll dance in. Tris Marden. Eh? Georgiana, mysteriously. Tris, Dandy Dick doesn't belong to you. Not all of him. No, I've only a half share. 
that your sale he was knocked down to john fielder the trainer the other half belongs to john no it doesn't it belongs to me george yes directly i saw dandy dick marched out before the auctioneer i asked john fielder to help me and he did like a briton for i can't live without horseflesh if it's only a piece of cat's meat on a skewer but when i condescended to keep company with the canons and the bishop here i promised augustine that i wouldn't own anything on four legs so john sold you half of dick and i can swear i don't own a horse and i don't not a whole one but half a horse is better than no bread tris and we're partners <laughs> what are you laughing at man oh the dean the dean salome and sheba enter unperceived i oh, i beg your pardon george <laughs> well now you know he's fit of course you're going to back dandy dick for the durnstone handicap back him for every penny i've got in the world that isn't much but if i'm not a richer woman by a thousand pounds to-morrow night i shall have had a bad day oh sheba the girls come towards the library georgiana discovering them hush to the girls hello it's only us aunt the girls go into the library i'll be off keep your eye on the old horse tristram don't fear good morning george good morning partner <laughs> oh do be quiet <laughs> say good-bye for me to the dane she gives him a push and he goes out sheba and salome immediately re-enter from the library aunt dear aunt well girls aunt salome has something to say to you no it's sheba why you're shivering all over catching hold of sheba hello little un aunt dear aunt georgiana we heard you say something about a thousand pounds you've been listening no we only merely heard and oh aunt a thousand pounds is such a lot and we poor girls want such a little money yes salome has rather got into debt my gracious i haven't any more than you have sheba well i'm in debt too but i only meant to beg for salome but now i ask for both of us oh aunt tidman papa has told us that you have known troubles ah so i have heaps of them oh i'm so glad because salome and i are weary fragments too we're everything awful but chastened widows we owe forty pounds unknown to pa forty pounds nineteen why you ought to be ashamed of yourselves you girls we are we are to cry and go on like this about forty pounds but we've only got fifteen and threepence of our own in the world and oh aunt you know something about the races don't you eh if you do help two poor creatures to win forty pounds nineteen aunt georgiana what's dandy dick you were talking to that gentleman about <laughs> child dandy dick's a horse 
We thought so. Then let Dandy Dick win us some money. No, no, I won't hear of it. Oh, do, do. Oh, do, do, do. Go away, I won't. I say decidedly, I will not. Oh, do, do. Do, do, and we'll love you for ever and ever, Aunt Georgiana. You will. She embraces them heartily. Bless your little innocent faces. Do you want to win forty pounds? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Do you want to win fifty pounds? Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Taking her betting book from her pocket. Very well. Then put your very petticoats on Dandy Dick. The girls stand clutching their skirts, frightened. Oh! Oh! End of the first act.